This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest professors to your fingertips with more than 500 audio and video series on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more. The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming at thegreatcourses.com or on DVD and CD or via The Great Courses apps. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only, The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including writing creative nonfiction. For this limited time, 80% off offer, go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal. And Bill, again, a lot of news this week, but the hottest story has to have been not just the terror attack at the John Muhammad event, but the reaction of the media. Yeah, pretty unbelievable, including that AP story that went, uh, I think, yesterday, late yesterday afternoon, uh, uh, with the headline, what was the headline exactly, that sort of uh, Pam Geller, who organized the, the, the event. Right. She has no not regret. expressed regret for the event that ended in two deaths. Ended in two deaths, yes. I love that. Two, two people come to murder, scores dozens of people at this event. They are fortunately and, and thankfully uh, shot by an incredibly alert and apparently ex- extremely uh, well-trained marksman <laughs> working as a policeman in, in, in Texas. And, um, and, and then somehow the organizers of the event are, are responsible for this, or, or she's supposed to express regret that people who wanted to murder dozens of, of, of people, including her, uh, she's supposed to express regret about that, that, that they were prevented in doing that. It, is, it tells you a lot, though, about where we are and where the liberal media is on, on these issues. And really, I've been astonished by the total collapse of support for free speech. It's the one thing you'd think the media would care about, actually, and be sensitive to. But no, if it offends uh, groups who are either politically correct or groups of whom they're scared, let's be honest, of whom they're actually scared, then suddenly free speech isn't so important. Uh, well, I do have this in from uh, Washington, D.C., 1865. Mary Todd Lincoln declines to express regret for interrupting last night's play. So that's not very good news. And Obama still hasn't apologized for his raid in Pakistan that resulted in the death of an elderly Islamist at his home. So this is terrible. I just what, what amazes me is how the person who is uh, the target of the bullets is now also the target of the media. This would never happen if, for example, she had been a uh, civil rights fighter for against segregation and she had marched in a very provocative way into the heart of the segregationist South and people became violent. No one would say, that Martin Luther King, what's, he, you know, what, what's wrong with him? He made those people get beaten up. It's, it's beyond my comprehension from an industry that relies on freedom of expression. No, absolutely right. And people look, Pam Geller, I don't really know her. She's, I think, criticized me and the Weekly Standard in the past for not sharing some of her views on Islam and being more willing to work with moderate uh, Muslims and thinking that you could establish decent regimes in the Middle East. And she's, of course, extremely skeptical of that. So it's not as if, you know, I have any, um, she's not a close personal friend or sometimes even a particular ally. But you just have to put all those things aside. I mean, she is entitled to have a Draw Muhammad cartoon event. I mean, this is well within, well within protective speech in America. And one should therefore condemn anyone who attacks that violently 
uh, unequivocally. There's no room to sort of say, uh, you know, uh, well, it's on the one hand, on the other hand, which is sure. very much the way the media has been. And I've been told, Bill, that it's unrealistic to expect the media in the year 2015 to look past the person and stand by their principles. They just can't do that because uh, they can't, uh, you know, they, it's, it's, you're asking too much. And I think, uh, well, maybe that's the case with Hillary Clinton. You can't expect them to look past their love for Hillary to actually report on what she has done. And this week, uh, as bad as Clinton Cash was last week, Bill, I think this week was even worse. Could be. I was struck. I was on Morning Joe this morning. And uh, Jeffrey Sachs was on, who's a very uh, left-wing economist, very does a huge amount in the foreign aid area. I'm sure I don't agree with him on much. No, I, I think he does know a lot about what's going on out there. And what was striking is I've been critical of, of, uh, of Hillary Clinton's unseemly at best uh, behavior, allowing the Secretary of State all this foreign money to go to a foundation which she was at least closely associated, which. And, and obviously, Bill Clinton showed up at events and was paid. And then it turns out these foreign governments obviously had business before the U.S. government. These foreign companies had business before the U.S. government, et cetera. So that was at best, I say, unseemly and, and you know, could be worse. And pretty amazing that a Secretary of State of the United States, a position of some distinction, you just let this go on. And of course, then you have your own server, so you, no one knows exactly what emails went back and forth. So I said this, and Howard Dean defended he's really on board Hillary, or at least pretending to be, and certainly was vigorous in defending her and the foundation, which could have said. And Jeffrey Sachs, uh, Scarborough went to Jeffrey Sachs, who I think was there to discuss other things. So it wasn't like he was prepared for this or he had a, you know, a point necessarily. I'm so certain that Joe didn't know his point of view, actually. And he said, as someone who's expert in that field, as a big liberal footballer in that field, uh, that the Clinton transition and people should go watch what he said, I'm going to paraphrase it, uh, didn't have a good reputation, this huge amount of money sloshing around, it was always unclear who was doing what for for whom, and people seemed to be benefiting and inviting Bill Clinton and paying him a lot to maybe get some good, good results on the other end for themselves, and that if you went to people in Haiti or in other areas where the Clinton Foundation was doing a lot of stuff, it was very unclear how much good they were actually doing or how much of the foundation, and obviously there's some sincere people there, were trying to do good and how much of the foundation's efforts were really going to sort of right. be a giant kind of super PAC for, for Clinton world. So um, I was really struck by that, and I think that's, uh, you know, that's a clip and it's kind of a little bit far online. Uh, and, uh, it's, but it shows that he's being honest there, and, I, and it does... It shows what uh, it's amazing how much though, other people won't say that because they want to have positions in a possible Clinton administration. They want money, perhaps, from the Clinton Global Initiative. I mean, they have really done a pretty good job, the Clintons, of coercing and bribing and intimidating an awful lot of people. And you want to ask Bill Clinton what's going on, but as he said famously this weekend, I don't know, I just work here, which is amazing. <laughs> Support the, his family, though, also. Mike, he does. Yeah, so they they are definitely struggling. He speeches for half a million dollars from people who have business before the U.S. government, before the State Department, uh, who you'd think you'd want to keep a million, who are themselves rather questionable in terms of their reputation. You'd think that any candidate would just rule that out of bounds, period, let alone if you were were head of Secretary of State. Well, well, my, let, alone uh, your fam- let alone if your family has sure. already tens of millions of dollars, that family is going to work so hard to support. Um, no, no, he's, he's going to go ahead and give those half a million dollar speeches paid for by disreputable foreign oligarchs. 
And, and alas, he's got to support himself with a style to which he's become accustomed, you know. And the evidence of Hillary's innocence was, alas, on that server. And if only she hadn't been forced to completely erase the server by, of course, Pamela Geller. Um, Hillary Clinton's poll numbers bouncing around, uh, even as more Republicans get in the field. Uh, uh, Mike Huckabee, uh, Carly Fiorina, and Ben, Dr. Ben Carson entered. Are we going to feel ripples from? Any of those three, do you think, say six months from now, Bill? You know, I think we could from from all three, especially maybe two of them. So I think Carly Fiorina is very impressive, and I think people who don't know much about her and haven't seen her will, will enjoy watching her uh, speak. She's a very good speaker. They'll enjoy watching her be interviewed. They'll enjoy it at the debates. And um, and she has made a bit of a, you know, she's carved out her niche as the person who could attack Hillary Clinton in a, in a full-throated way and maybe have the media come down less harshly on her because she's a woman. So I think she'll be out there in the debates and will do well. I don't think she'll be the nominee, but I think she'll, you know, um, she'll, she'll, she'll surprise. She'll get a little more support than people think. She's strong, especially in foreign policy. Huckabee, Mike Huckabee, you know, a very talented politician. Uh, he did unbelievably well in 2007, 2008, coming from nowhere, totally obscure governor of Arkansas, and ended up being really the finalist against Romney, uh, against uh, McCain, and really he and Romney were two finalists against McCain. He's this year taken a line that I don't like, you know, in terms of policy, which is to be the defender of entitlements, the defender of Medicare and Social Security, the critic of Republicans as being too harsh. But I'm not sure there aren't some votes there for that message, and he'll do a good job of getting it out. So he could play a little more than people think, I think. Ben Carson has a lot of support. I do think he might be the one who would fade as, as voters, as you know, the actual gets closer, as the day, election day, primary days get closer, think, well, what conservative can I vote for who has a chance to win? And I suspect some of his support migrates to Ted Cruz, or conceivably Huckabee, or, or to Scott Walker, or others. So, um, but also, he's an impressive guy. I mean, I've met Ben Carson, and, you know, he's a very soft-spoken guy. And what an incredible story and what incredible achievements in his life. Saves a ton of lives, and he really did in a spectacular way. He ran a very important part of a huge medical center. So I, I feel, you know, all of them in their different ways, I don't agree with Huckabee on the entitlements, but I think you've got to say there's intellectual vigor, diversity, energy in the Republican field at a level that there sure wasn't four years ago. Uh, to me, uh, what resonates with Huckabee is, you know, he's talking about being from hope and the man from hope and the Clinton, you know, the resonance there. And I think that he has a challenge similar to Hillary Clinton's, which is time. It, it, this In 2008, right. it was kind of, you know, he was the man and he, he resonates with a kind of flavor of Republicanism. But I just wonder if that the moment hasn't passed and nothing against his skills, nothing against his governorship. But, you know, he really governed as kind of a, you know, old school Southern uh, big government, if you will, conservative, or let's say generously governmented conservative. I don't know that that meets the uh, the uh, kind of spirit, the zeitgeist of the GOP today. No, I think that's right. I also just think all things being equal, especially with Hillary Clinton looming as a very likely Democratic comedy, Republicans uh, will want to go to the next generation to finally have a generational matchup that they feel helps them as opposed to Obama against McCain, Obama against Romney, or back in the 90s, Clinton against uh, 
first President Bush and then Bob Dole. So I, I think there will be, a, that's why I think you see so much interest in Scott Walker, Marco Rubio, and Ted Cruz. I mean, think how much less name ID those three right. have compared to a Bush, compared to a Rand Paul, compared to Huckabee, uh, and yet uh, they're doing quite well. So I, I think they at least get first shot. They would have to really falter, I think, for these others, with the possible exception of Jeb Bush. Speaking of people who are doing quite Speaking of people doing quite well, Bill, world leaders who are not aligned with President Obama seem to be doing pretty well. Benjamin Netanyahu won a big win, uh, as you know. Then David Axelrod goes over and works for uh, Ed Miliband and the Labor Party, and they get trounced last night. Now, it's a little cloudier on that because Obama and Cameron don't have a the kind of testy relationship. And I also know some Obama people worked for Cameron too, but still I would say from the middle East, Egypt, et cetera, over to the UK, I don't want Obama coming to endorse me in my local election anytime soon. You know, the Obama years have been good for conservative parties in Australia, <laughs> Canada to ah. think about it, you know, yep. America and Germany. Um, be nice to finish that in 2016 here in the U S but um, I do think it, it does show that, you know, for all the mixed, Messages in all these countries. Uh, people are not sold on big government liberalism, or that we need more of that. Um, Cameron's not as conservative as I am, but he's, he's you know, poor progress for five years, screaming and yelling about how horrible progress austerity, uh, horrible Cameron's austerity policies in Britain are, and what are they going to be? He's going to be destroyed at the ballot box, and, and then it turns out he's been to get in Jim Messina, who ran the Obama campaign, and then helps Cameron. Was on morning, was on well, we had morning Joe this morning, saying, "Well, Cameron's economic policies really have been vindicated. Britain's done much better than the rest of Europe. His economic policies were like the poster child of quote austerity mm-hmm. for left-wing economists here in the U.S. who spent all their time attacking and denouncing Cameron and the British Tories. So I, I, I actually asked Messina, "Well, I assume you're going to come back to the U.S. and work to Scott Walker and Marco Rubio and help." Because you now see that conservative governance works better than, than left-wing governance. He, he is not going to do that, however. So there's no, no big surprise. The other thing that's interesting is um, the sort of hidden conservative vote in all these elections. In places like Iowa and Colorado in the U.S. in 2014, obviously in Israel, now did much better in the polls. And then Cameron did better in the polls. The British have this wonderful term for this, um, shy Tories. You know, the Tories, conservatives who don't like to tell pollsters, presumably, that they're voting conservative. They're shy about that. But I think they exist in many countries where the forces of political correctness are on the left and people feel a little intimidated about saying that they're going to vote for a conservative. Bill Crystal, thanks so much for the insights. We appreciate it and for joining us on this week's uh, podcast. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.